Hey, we're just about to jump into the episode, but before we do, did you know we have a junior-friendly Discord community? It's completely free to join. If you want to join us, the link is in the description. We'd love to have you. All right, enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another podcast episode where we help aspiring developers get jobs and junior developers grow. We are going to be going over true coders today. Like the rest of my episodes, I like to bring on authentic graduates that give authentic stories. We get past the marketing fluff and we get down to the, what the real pros and cons are. And at the end of this episode, hopefully it'll help you figure out if this program is right for you. So let's go ahead and jump into our intros like normal. Ben, um, welcome. And I have a couple questions for you. What do you, you okay. So what program did you complete? And when did you graduate and are you still looking for a position? I did the software development course. I graduated this past March uh, and I currently hold a position as a software application engineer. Congrats, by the way. That's pretty cool. Thank you. Um, where, what was your old industry? What were you doing before? I was a line cook, prep cook and professional chef. Okay. Very cool. All right, Andrew, how about you? I completed the web development program. I graduated in July and I am still, I do not yet have a position. Okay, cool. So still pretty recent. Um, where did you come from? What was your industry? I've done a various, various things right now. I'm a welder and in the, actually before this, I did what Ben did. I was a chef as well. Okay. Very cool. How about you, Janisha? Um, I did the software development and I graduated, um, March of this year as well. Okay. And are you still looking for a job right now? I'm currently in the field. So I'm a, a quality QA tester. Uh, so a manual tester, you have two, you have automated, then you have manual. So I do more of the manual side of things. Uh, but before that I was doing, I was working at Verizon and I worked there for four years okay. and then always been into the tech side of things. So that's why I moved over and got my hands in the software side of things. Okay, cool. Um, and so is your kind of long-term goal to move more into coding? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's the goal. All right. Well, let's jump into it. So um, this is an organized, um, if you're looking for this professional organized podcast, that's not what this is. We just have a raw conversation and I wing it and it's fun. Um, so we're going to start with the original question, kind of just open things up. We're going to talk over each other. That's okay. We'll get comfortable with it. But what did you think of the program? Let's even start with like the curriculum and just think about your day to day. What was it like? Um, are we going in order? We're not going in order. No. <laughs> I think for me, um, I, I guess it just depends. I did the nine week, um, course, so it's pretty fast paced. Uh, so it was every day you're learning something new. Um, so that was a big thing for me. It was just, it kind of, it was kind of overwhelming at first. Uh, you got to kind of pace yourself and figure out like what's going on and, and what works for you. Um, so I would say for me, it was, it was a bit overwhelming at first. Once you look at the curriculum and you see all this stuff, you're going to be learning in nine weeks. <laughs> Man, nine weeks isn't that long. No, it's not long, but we, we go all day. Mm -hmm. So it, it's kind of like sitting in class all day. So. Okay. All right, cool. What about you guys? Uh, I went through the, I'm oh, sorry, uh, I went through the six month course um, and I definitely was able to learn a good bit, but it definitely felt like the whole curriculum was meant for the nine week course. And we felt like, I always felt like we were getting the dregs. Um, our teacher changed three times uh, oh. throughout the course uh, and they had to like figure out where the last one left off. Um so that was a, a little bit irritating, um, but overall it was, I wouldn't say it was bad or good. Okay. In my, from my view. Well, I mean, the instructors really make or break a program. I've always said that. I truly think that, and that can be frustrating 
it almost feels unprofessional, um, which it's kind of like an instructor does have to catch up. One leaves, one gets hired again. Like they got to play catch up. It's unfortunate, but it does feel unprofessional if they're like, you've paid a good chunk of money and they're just kind of catching up and that maybe that week lags behind or something like that. Or, um, it could also just feel out of sync. Every instructor does things a certain way. So I, I think that's reasonable. What about you, Andrew? I did the uh, six-month program as well. And I did feel like it was a lot, but I, I came into it with basic basic knowledge, basic HTML, CSS, and just, just the beginnings of uh, JavaScript. So I felt pretty comfortable for about the first third of the class. Okay. First third. So uh, what's their screening process in bringing in students? Do you feel like they have a heavy interview process with technical challenges or... I think all I got was a few questions from the person. Yeah, uh, I think it's more of like, why do you want to join? Or like, what is your background, of course? Like, what do you do now? Like, why do you want to join voters? Is that what you got, Andrew? Yeah, yeah, I just got a few questions from the uh, the salesman. I didn't, there wasn't any coding or challenges or anything, really. Yeah, same for Yeah, me. I agree. Thinking yes, about there your... were a lot of people that had essentially starting from square one on the first class. Do you feel like they, they had a pretty rough time? I think they did struggle for a while to keep up. And well, really for the whole class, a lot of them did. But just starting from, from absolute zero, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and I, I think that's an important aspect of, of coding boot camps. It's like you can make programs accessible for everyone, but you can also create pre-work, right? Free pre-work to like, this is what you should study before you actually go into our program, right? And so a coding boot camp that has a good plan can now, you know, gatekeep the students. They come in to make sure that they're capable of being successful in the program because they're up to skill. Everyone's the same skill level at least, right? So I really well, wish they, they would. pre-coding. Before, yeah, sure. I was, I was going to say they did give us a, okay. a pre-work package. Uh, yeah, but and most of the people in my class, most of the people in my class didn't actually do it before the class started. Yeah, that's the problem. So that's that's not really on the on them. It's on the, on the so I would disagree. I think it's on the coding boot camp, right? Because what what happens? Here's why, though. Um, if like the students that are coming in that are struggling, you, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, if the students that are coming in that are struggling, it's possible for them to hold back the rest of the class because the instructor has to spend extra time to catch them up. Either that or the instructor just doesn't care and lets them fall behind. And then it's just like a horrible graduation rate. So do you feel like, I guess, do you feel like a, a tougher screening and making sure they did complete that program would help the class go a little bit more smoothly with everybody on sync um i would say for me um as far as like holding the class um they it was structured to where they set you up for success so like they did have the um the uh, i can't they two weeks before they'll give you like an outline of what you'll be doing and they'll work with you on it so if you didn't do it you also had the opportunity to after class to ask the um, your instructor for help or if you did stop the class or so at least my instructor would you know answer your question or hey we'll get to that in just a second let me continue with this and then we'll come back to your question and he was good at going back hey John you asked about this but this is why so I wouldn't say it held up the class and if somebody did hold up the class sometimes it, it was kind of like okay We'll get with you on break if you want to stay on break and then we can, you know, work with you on that. So, okay. It was more of an independence, but, you know. Okay. Cool. Do you think, um, Andrew and Ben, were your experiences the same? I'd say so. Yeah. I, yeah. <clears throat> mine being the, uh, the evening class and part-time, I think it was even maybe a little more geared towards people sort of working on their own and at their own pace because they, I, don't, I assume they did it for the day class as well, but they recorded all the classes and you can go back and even now I can still access all the, the videos from the classes and all of the, uh, the curriculum. Okay. I gotcha. Um, 
how big were your cohorts? I think mine, when I started, it was probably high 20s, maybe 30. By the end, it was, it was under 10. For me, my class started at like 65. And wow. six of us, seven of us graduated. Whoa. Yeah. Wait, 65 what? 65 students in my, in my initial class. How many instructors did you have at one time? Um, we had one head instructor for our class and two or three TAs. Um, and I think, I think he's now the president of True Coders, but he was also sitting in on our class pretty often. Wow. I think we only had maybe 30. We started off around 30, but of course it would drop off to maybe 20. <clears throat> And that was for the nine week. Okay. Okay. So I guess I have a couple of thoughts. Uh, ben, holy crap. <laughs> that's a lot of students. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a big course. That's ridiculous. I don't know what the hell happened, but that was a complete screw up on their part. And if they yeah. intentionally did that, like, that's really bad. But yeah, go ahead. You were going to say something. Yeah, uh, more than half the class ended up uh, stopped showing up to uh, the classes after the first week or two. So I think we were left at like 20 for the whole year. And then right in the last month, it dropped down to about uh, somewhere between like six and eight. Well, okay. So I gave you two options, right? The class is going to get held back or people are going to drop out. And it sounds like a lot of people dropped out of each cohort, like more than a, like the average coding bootcamp big time. So, okay, that's an option. I guess they kept going. And if you kept going and you were prepared, you were fine, right? As it seems almost like a sink or swim situation. Um, so, man, yeah, like I, 30 was high to hear like 65. That's ridiculous. I don't, I don't know. Uh, so you mentioned that the, uh, current head instructor has become the president no he was i don't remember his position at the time i know he was more on like the director side and admin than he was a teacher uh we had our head instructor for the class and then we had a bunch of tas and then he would just come in and say hi every now and then make sure things were going well okay well he sounds friendly. Um, he definitely sounds friendly, but um, yeah, that that feels like a prioritization of profit over quality of education, um, and like making sure everyone had the support they needed. Um, okay, well, I'm glad you shared that. Uh, I guess I, I want to hear about the instructors, right? It sounds like did everyone have one instructor for their class? One, yeah. Okay, I have one instructor and one TA. Oh, okay. Only one TA. Well, how were your instructors? What do you think of them? Um, well, my first instructor, because uh, they switched it up on us a bunch of times, um, I felt that he was pretty competent and was good at explaining and kind of getting the class to get on the same track. Uh, but halfway through, he got a job somewhere else and moved on. Uh, so we had two or three TAs kind of juggling the, that spot because they were the ones, you know, in the class with us. Um, and then we had a couple other people show up for like a week or two to do the course, uh, but we mainly had just the the, the two main TAs uh, were switching back and forth until we graduated for the last three months. Um, and that was shaky because neither of them had actually done, uh, had a job as an instructor. They kind of graduated from True Coders, worked somewhere else for a year, then got a True Coders uh, job as a TA of True Coders. Ben, you had a, a, a weird experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say for mine, um, my instructor was really good. Um, he was he was patient and he explained things. So like like you said, for like that interrupting part, it. He would answer your question, but then also make it to where he's not interrupting the whole class. So I'm not waiting for Ben to get his question out where we talked about that 10 minutes ago. Right. So he, he was good at making sure he 
watched everybody else's time and made sure that everybody still felt included, um, which I liked about it. And also I'm big on asking questions myself. So when I did ask questions, he was able to answer and, you know, make sure I understood or if I needed to um, go after class or so, hey, can I meet with you after class? And he was always open to it. Okay. That's why I'm, I'm like, me and Ben had two different experiences. It really sounds like it. Yeah. How about you, Andrew? I, I think my uh, instructor did a good job. He was uh, definitely very knowledgeable, knowledgeable, had worked before, certainly as a developer and instructor. Uh, definitely moved at a quick, at a quick pace, but was more than willing to engage with you outside of class. We have a, there was a, a discord channel for the class and he was very active on there. If you had questions and a few times, even on, uh, on the weekends was just doing side projects and, uh, posted on there and me and I think it was just one other person sort of, uh, not really pair programmed, which sort of just followed along with him as he was just coding up a side project of, of his own. So he did a very good job. Okay. Would you say there were any um, notable things about the TAs or were they just pretty good? Like any bad notable or like really good notable things to mention? I had a few hiccups with my TA. It was, it was just, I think it was more of me not knowing how to do something. And if I go to them, they don't know either. So it's kind of like, uh, <laughs> like how they would, how my course would work is if, for example, in this comes into uh, watching time. So if I'm stuck somewhere and I can't move along with the class, my instructor would send me with the TA to catch me up. So sometimes the TA, I have um, Mac and he didn't. So some stuff he could work with and he couldn't do it on that. So that kind of got frustrating for me. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> I'm trying to catch up and we, and you don't know how to do this. So. so what happens when that TA doesn't know? What does that TA do? Um, he would either go back and ask my instructor Okay. <laughs> and just like, oh, hey, I don't know how to do this. So it would still put me back. And that's where I would get frustrated. It was when, okay, <laughs> I need your help. And I'm still, you know, a little behind. Um, but if he didn't know, yeah, he'll definitely go ask the instructor or let him know, hey, I don't know how to do this. Okay. Well, you know, at least he just didn't say, I can't help you. That would be really or bad. Just all around. Sometimes I did feel like he was kind of like going around in circles until, you know, uh, he didn't say it directly. Like, I don't know. Okay. All right. How about you guys? I have any TAs, just the one instructor. Uh, my experience with TAs, um, didn't have a lot of ex experience with them just because uh, I self-taught myself uh, JavaScript and HTML CSS beforehand. Um, mostly wanted to go to the course for the uh, job placement uh, talks because um, I'm, I'm pretty good at self-study. Uh, so I, I didn't really ask too many questions of the TAs. Uh, and every time I did, they couldn't answer my question because I was asking above their pay grade. Uh, a little. Because um, yeah. we use uh, Code Wars for our like daily coding challenge in practice, uh, if you've heard of that site. Yep. Um, and I think both of my TAs actually had a, a, a lower rank than I did um, by the end of class. So. Well, so were they able to answer questions that were re related to you completing the material or completing any code challenges? Yeah, they were they were for the most part able to answer any questions in class, but uh, the only times I ever like scheduled an appointment to ask them questions was for extracurricular stuff for myself. Gotcha. 
Yeah. I mean, that's a big difference between an, an instructor with a lot of experience and a TA. And that's why, you know, TAs, they'll help. They'll be very helpful in helping you complete the okay. program. Uh, see, I had good TAs with my coding boot camp that were almost as knowledgeable as the instructors, which is incredible. And it was fortunate. And that's a big difference, a di- very different experience. So, I mean, truthfully, this is completely understaffed, in my opinion. This feels like, I don't know if they're scaling. I haven't looked if they're taking in additional investments or how they're trying to scale or grow. But I mean, Ben, you're, you're just an exception. I'm talking about like Andrew and Janisha. Um, yeah, one instructor to 30 students, especially if the TAs are kind of struggling to be able to help, to give the students the help they need and don't have the expertise. Um, we could dig into that, and there are reasons why that can happen, but I think that's less relevant. I feel like like an ideal ratio is like one instructor to 10 students, and it's, it's hard to scale a program with that. Um, I think you, coding boot camps can figure out how to put a higher price on their program, and they, they can scale it. But like coding boot camp industry scaling is very interesting, but... I think the coding bootcamp, as far as staffing, as far as providing the proper instruction and support for students, this coding bootcamp feels on the lower end, much more on the lower end than other programs that I've reviewed. Um, so people should be skeptical. They should ask, how many students am I going to be with? You know, how much support am I really going to get? It's like they can even give a scenario when they're talking with a salesperson, right? Uh, give a scenario of like, um, you know, if... If I like what, what happens if like two people are stuck in a class and the instructor just went over some material and, um, you know, like, like how much time does the instructor actually spend in the lectures? Do they give themselves a buffer like 30 minutes after to answer questions or like get a feel for like if the instructors are just rushed, you know, they complete the material, they're rushed. They got to go do something else. Or like the TAs are just trying to, um, you just, TAs are barely able to answer questions, um, I'm sure there are questions you could think of. I'm not really doing a good job of thinking any uh, of any on the spot, but these are questions people should ask. And I'm, I'm glad you shared some of this. Um, as far as like the curriculum, right? Um, so .NET, uh, hmm, how do I want to ask these questions? What do I want to dive into? Okay, you want let me ask a couple of questions, and then we're going to dig a little bit deeper um, into how confident you feel with the program, right? So what was the real-time commitment like for you? Did they give you an accurate estimation of how long it would take? Are you talking about out-of-class time to work on projects? Or? So whatever time is required to complete the program, they're telling you to build projects, they're telling you to learn the curriculum, any time that they feel is required to do, be successful in their program. I don't remember hearing any specific number like that. Yeah, me. Other than just that it was important that we studied and worked on our own outside of class to to build our knowledge. How much time? I was told. Go ahead. I was told uh, to one and a half to two hours every day. Okay. Is that what you spent? Uh, Yes and no. Sometimes I would spend only 30 minutes, other times I might spend five hours. Okay. So it's kind of I think that based on your background. Like if I'm coming in and I don't have any experience, like I've never worked on this before, all this is foreign to me, I might take those five hours every day because <laughs> I'm lost. Yeah. But you're like Ben and me and Andrew, like where we had a little bit here and we know a little bit, it's, it might take us one, two hours. So I think that comes into those questions, like you mentioned, um, Don, in the interview part, like before, okay, what experience do you have with coding? Do you have any experience? And then, you know, they lay it out. Because if you're telling me, okay, it, it should take you an hour or two after each class, and I have no experience, right? It, that's not going to work for me <laughs> versus somebody that has experience, has a few projects that they've worked on, but just wants that extra help. Right. I think that's different for everybody. That's where you get that, those questions out. Um, and I can actually use an example of one of my classmates um, towards the end of the course, they told me that uh, 
this was actually their second time through the course. Uh, they were in the part-time with me. And they had went through the first three months and couldn't keep up. And so went to a different class and started from the beginning again. So in reality, it took them uh, nine months. Uh, okay. And I think, set, I think they can set the expectations better than I do think at the beginning. It shouldn't be the same for everybody. That's where you find out backgrounds. Yeah. It's tough to do it when you don't screen students. <laughs> it is. I mean, and this could make it easier on them. It really could. Um, to be able to screen students a little bit more. Um, what did, okay. I guess I have a couple questions. Did you guys work with each other? Do you do pair programming or work on projects together? I didn't at least, you know, we'd, we'd all kind of verbally contribute to things during class, but not outside of class or during class. Was there any? Yeah. Like a yes and no. There, there were stuff you they would tell us to work on together. I know for my class. And it would be like, we'll pair you with this team and break us up. But it got to the point where nobody really knew what was going on. <laughs> so it was like, do you know where to start? Do you know where to start? And nobody would. So it was kind of like, we'll just wait until the instructor comes back and tells us how to do this. Okay. How about you, Ben? Uh, yeah, we were told that uh, it would be required for a couple projects to work together. Um, and then just didn't just, and, you know, like they, they give us all the same like project to work on or a template to work from to kind of practice and say to work on it together. Um, but when we get into our breakout rooms to start working together, everyone would just do it on their own. The teacher would come in and people would ask questions. Um, it, it wasn't, they said it was required, but it wasn't. Okay. It sounds like they didn't stay on top of making sure that people were working together and making sure like really, um, not soliciting. What's the word I'm thinking of? Um, I don't know. It, it sounds like they really, didn't prioritize that. Maybe they didn't see value in it. They're like, you can't do it. You should yeah. do it, but eh, we're not going to check on you. You know, you do what you want. That's what it feels like as long as you get the project done. So it sounds like they didn't value, they tr didn't truly value group work. Um, and you know that there are, there are parts in your journey where I think it can be very beneficial and where it can also hinder you as well. Like pair programming can, can be very beneficial and it can also, uh, you know, sometimes people have a tendency to like one person will dominate it. They'll drive entirely and the other person kind of just leans back and the other person takes control. And you have to like work through that dynamic, right? You have to learn to work through because, you know, in, in full-time software engineering roles, you're going to be working with senior engineers. They're going to show you how to do stuff or like get some more experience and you might show a junior engineer how to do things. And, you know, you don't want to drive the whole time. You want to do the minimum possible to like empower them to be able to solve the problem. And you have to learn how to do that. How do you, how do you do that with not when you don't have like pair programming experience? It just might be a little bit more difficult. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is pair programming can be very beneficial. I wish that they like kind of stayed on students to do it a little bit more. But I think like the real question is group projects. You mentioned that there were group projects and I'm thinking like portfolio projects, right? Yeah. Um, so were there group projects where you did work in a group to build those projects? Did not have any of those, no. Uh, the final for my class had a couple of, we were told to work in groups, um, but only, there was only one group of people that did work in a group. Okay. So one trio. So out of, out of the graduating class of, I'm pretty sure it was eight. Uh, we were told to work in either pairs or trios. Uh, and there was one trio and then everyone else did their own. So Ben, uh, I guess I have a question. Uh, um, yeah to work in a group for your final project, your personal final project, work in a group? Yeah, we were allowed to have one. So each of us had to build a portfolio web page and then build a personal project. Uh, gotcha. 
So the portfolio was the personal one and the personal project could be done in a group. So you could have one, like an API-based website uh, that is made by three people. Gotcha, okay. Do you, I mean, at least from the program, did you feel comfortable with source control? Interacting um, with Git? Yeah. Uh, if you follow the follow the course, at least from my perspective, if you were following the course, then they definitely have you practice with it a lot. I'd say I was comfortable just using it for my own projects, but I never, I still don't have any experience really interacting with a group project on it. Yeah, same here. Not with the group. No, with my own. Yeah, but group. No. Do you think that would have been They're valuable? Forking to... their projects off their the boot camps GitHub. Okay. Do you think that would have been just the daily instruction? Do you think that would have been valuable for uh, experience with Git working with other people? So. Okay. Yeah. It certainly seems like in the professional world, it's an everyday occurrence, something you need to know. I would agree. Um, okay, so I guess I, I'm just solidifying some thoughts. Um, a lot of people will go to a coding boot camp. doesn't mean people choose this program for this, but most people uh, that I talk to really love the idea of working with other developers and building a complex project and figuring out how to work with other developers, right? Um, a lot of self-taught developers, when you're starting out, you're working alone, you're building stuff on your own. Um, and that can be fun. Uh, but I think a lot of de self-taught developers get pretty lonely, and they want the experience of kind of just seeing what other developers are doing. Look at their code. Review my code. I want feedback. I'd love to see how your your implementation goes and everything. And I'd love to review it. And um, I think a lot of developers really value those group projects. That's why they join coding boot camps. It's one of the reasons. And I mean, like, even just like... I'll share, you know, with my group, with my last full stack Academy group, um, I thought like they were going to be the perfect group mates to work with, but there was one person, it was just a personality clash and I had to figure out how to like work with them and finally get this project out. And it was really interesting. It was challenging. Um, but you know, that's what you're going to experience with teams, right? Not a, sometimes personalities clash. You got to figure out like how to like come together on that objective and not step on each other's toes and separate features. And like, you know, in the beginning of the day, just say, you know, I'm going to work on this. You work on this, you work on this, be able to separate that out and just keep delivering features to build a product. I mean, that's what you do as a software engineer. And so I think that's really valuable experience with a coding bootcamp. I wish they did that, honestly. I'm not really a big fan on group projects, honestly. You're not? <laughs> not, not when I'm learning, I would say. Especially like with our class, everybody is learning at the same time. So it's kind of like, okay. We need somebody that knows what they're doing here. Because <laughs> like I said, we did do group um, projects, but it was where everybody was a loss. So how do we start if everybody's kind of lost and don't doesn't know where to start? So I do like group projects, I'll, I'll say that. But when you're everybody's new and fresh and, you know, just learning something, it's kind of hard, honestly, in my, in my experience. That's fair. I've um, reviewed a coding bootcamp where um, people were so sick of their group members not putting in the same amount of effort throughout the entire program. They're just like, let me do it. Let me take over. And the group project, they just wanted nothing to do with it. They felt like it was holding them back. Um, okay. Do you, I guess, how confident do you feel like you were, how well prepared do you feel like you were for an actual developer position when you graduated? Well, I'm not a developer, so I feel pretty confident. <clears throat> Wait, what? Say that again? I'm not a developer. I, I don't actually write code on the day-to-day. -day. Oh, wait. Remind me again what your current position is. Software application engineer. Oh, so I'm okay. applying code written by the developers to hardware. Uh, I work for a company called Every. We do casino machines, 
and like loyalty kiosks and such. I work in the kiosk division. Uh, so I do server maintenance. I do bug fixes, live bugs, fi- live bug fixes, um, and like hardware application, uh, as well as uh, release planning for new versions and upgrades. Were you originally trying to aim for a coding position? I wasn't sure entirely. I was kind of aiming for anything in the field um, with the hope that it would be something hardware related because uh, my dad is IT for the government. Um, so I grew up around computers uh, kind of like my whole life. Uh, so I just kind of want to learn a little bit of coding and then get a job in the field and see where it took me. Okay. I got you. But you too. But yeah, the... I would say that I didn't feel fully prepared to just go straight into applying for jobs. I'd say I had at least touched everything, all the basics that I would need to know, but I still had to develop those skills a lot more before I felt comfortable. Okay. I feel like I'm getting fairly close to that point by doing a lot of work on my own and building projects. Same for me. I felt like I needed a few more projects, uh, a little more experience. Um, But if I was offered and and that company was able to um, understand that, no, I'm not an expert at this, but we're, we're willing to work with you. I would, that's kind of what I was hoping and looking for. Um, which is hard, but that's what I was looking for. So. Okay. Coming out of the truth Okay. So what could they improve? One, as we talked before, the screening. I think that would take um, the students a long way and give them something, a better expectation on what to expect. Um, I think that's where it starts. Like you said, I didn't think of it that way. Um, when they're telling you, yeah, you it only take an hour or two after class to study when it really, it just depends on the background. Um, I agree. That's how it started. Yeah. Just to have the basics down, at least when you came into the class, would probably help things move a lot more smoothly. Cause people get frustrated. And like Ben said, his class started at what 60 and dropped when if they just let you know they have a little bit of the basics <laughs> and you should be fine okay i think that's good advice what they else? did offer that i think they before they started they recommended you i think solo learn was one of the apps and free code camp as well they recommended yeah. you start but there was as far as i know there was no accountability accountability towards what you completed on that so okay yeah, that accountability makes a huge difference. It feels like, I don't know, it kind of, it, it feels a little bit more, it's not just like a checkbox saying, okay, we tried. I, I think like they probably, like Free Code Camp's pretty good. I like Free Code Camp. I reviewed them. Um, and there are other cheaper programs you can go to, but I, I think accountability is, what's that? I said, I love Free Code Camp. That was my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I talked with the founder. He's a really nice guy. I like them. Nice. Um, what else could they improve? Uh, instructor to student ratio. Okay. It's a little too, too big. Okay. So would it, would it be fair to say um, instructor to student ratio uh, and basically like solve the problem of like students not feeling supported well enough? I mean, like that's a big whew, man, eight students. I, Expect you to say like thirty or so. I didn't expect you to say eight. That that's I've never heard of that from any coding boot camp before. Um, and uh, on top of that, in the final project, it also didn't feel like there was accountability to present a finished product because uh, two of the students actually presented unfinished products uh, as their final. Same with me. Same with my class. Okay. I think part of that was just they. I think they knew a lot of people were struggling and may not have been really ready to complete a project. Okay. And of course, that would come back to the screening that would help with that. Yeah. So 
I'm going to do a quick summary. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it. I, I think I, what I want to focus on is like, what do I want to focus on? Okay, so what I gathered from this is that the inst- um, it sounds like the instructors are pretty knowledgeable. Um, TAs can be slacking. There might be good TAs, but there might be some uh, TAs that really need some more support and being able to um, maybe even like if the instructor is just overwhelmed, maybe that means hiring TAs that have a little bit more professional experience and that have that context to be able to, you know, answer these off questions, Ben, right? But like, I had those questions. I had like questions that weren't part of the curriculum. And that is part of like getting to talk to a real engineer and asking these quirky questions. It's, that is part of the boot camp experience. Um, but it, overall, it like, it just sounds like a huge ratio problem, um, which is to- like, uh, it's just concatenated with the screening not even being a thing, really, just like more of like a a, um, a soft skill screening. That's kind of what it feels like. Um, so if they added that screening, provided more accountability, especially for the prep work, um, and lowered that ratio, which lowering that ratio is a big decision. It's a big money decision. And they, in my opinion, need to focus a little bit more on the students and the profit. I, maybe they're struggling right now. I don't know their financial situation. I don't know their strategy. Like I said, I don't know what investments they've taken, if any. Um, but that 100% feels like the students aren't the priority. The money from the students is. That's And that's just reviewing Medicoding boot camps. It's pure speculation, but that's what it feels like from the executive team. Um, I will say just from my, this is just my own experience, that just the attitude from everyone who worked there was very positive and they were willing to do anything to help you out and provide anything for you that you needed. Well, that, it that's like, good. It doesn't sound I like I had a different that. experience than, especially from Ben. But the yeah, I'll put you back off of Andrew as well. Um, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was a bad experience. And, and you talk about the ratio to instructor. Yeah, if you look at it that way, um, like for example, mine was 30 to one. So it's really, it it depends on that person too, because I'm a person, I don't mind asking questions if I don't understand something. If I don't understand something, I'm like, hey, well, why is this? Or I'm not afraid to ask. So it it really depends. And and again, I think it comes back into that screening where Mm -hmm. you just have to let them know, hey, it's going to be 30 people in this class. Um, You can ask questions. We have this afterwards. And you it just depend, really depends on student. I think um, for me, 30 wouldn't have scared me because I'm a person. If I have a question, I'll ask. And if, you know, you can't answer it, I'm willing to, you know, wait after class or break or anything like that. So it really just depends um, on that person. And, and like Andrew said, the, the instructors are patient and they, and they very knowledgeable. Um, so, those are all good things to me. Um, the 30 to one didn't, it, it, it wouldn't have <laughs> stopped me from, you know, joining. And it, but you were also one of the more successful ones, right? Think about all the people that struggled and dropped out, right? And, right. and those people didn't get the support they needed. There might be people, individual situations where like, they really weren't ready for the program. They really weren't committed right. to it. And that's where the screening can help. Screening, yeah. Yep. It, it really can. Um, yeah. Um, so, I, I, but the fact that there is no screening, what I like to look at is, for example, I had a director at um, Full Stack Academy and she's really nice really nice woman. And, um, she cared about all the students. She cared about the instructors. Um, and then, you know, there was some conflicts with the instructors and her, and she eventually quit, not necessarily because of that. Uh, but she was really nice about it. And then I noticed the, um, the cohort started increasing in size and a director switched and he's a really nice guy. I know him. He's a personal friend of mine, but also, then more students started coming into that curriculum and more and more and more just because he's nice, just because he steps out and sees that people are all right, does not mean that he's making 
decisions, executive decisions on the business that has the student's best interest in mind. You can be nice. You can appear nice and try to look supportive. And you might even think you're supportive, but your business decisions and how you manage that campus can also tell a lot about you and tell a lot about your motivations as well. And so this is me being skeptical, just reviewing tons of programs. It doesn't mean you guys didn't feel supported or you didn't feel welcome. But I also like to speak for the students that didn't get the support they needed. You know, the 50 something that dropped out. Right. I like to speak up for for people like that. And that's where, I, you know, my skepticism comes in. But I appreciate you you guys kind of pushing back, saying, you know what, our our, our experiences weren't that bad. Right. They were pretty good. Instructors were nice and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm glad you did say that. Whew. All right. I think okay. I, I kind of just forgot, uh, but <clears throat> I think part of the reason why my cohort was so big uh, was because I think I was like the second or third cohort that was online. Uh, so we had a lot of students across the country and they were still kind of figuring their stuff out. Yeah, that's I mean, that could be a, a good reason. It's not good, but that that's a reason why like a lot of yeah. coding boot camps struggle to switch that online, especially if they weren't they didn't prioritize it before. That's a hard thing. A lot of programs had to figure out. So glad you mentioned that. All right. Um, I feel like I got a good feel for this program. And I feel like the student that's going to be the most successful is one that doesn't depend. I almost feel like they don't really depend on the coding bootcamp for accountability. They depend on it for structure, but more so where like, I could see like a self-taught developer that spent, you know, a few months learning on their own and, and getting prepared, learning the fundamentals and uh, or going through the courses that they recommend and then trusting those technical skills, like just trusting you to hold yourself accountable, then joining the program, doing all the work, asking those questions. I feel like that student's going to be really successful in this program. And maybe that's the message, right, is to tell people just make sure you're a little bit extra prepared and this program can deliver and potentially prepare you for a full-time software engineering position. Does that feel reasonable? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. Um, that's pretty much it. I think we went through most of it. Uh, I just want to ask you one more question. So if you had to give aspiring developers one piece of advice, and not necessarily related to the coding bootcamp, maybe just advice when you're like, you got really excited about coding. You're like, I want to do this. You know, where do I start or what should I do? Um, what would that final piece of advice be? Uh be confident and uh, apply for jobs that you don't think you're qualified for. Okay. Because who knows, you might be qualified for it and pass the interview. What was your question again, Don? What would be one final piece of advice you would give for aspiring developers? I would say that, like Ben said, just don't give up, keep going. Um, Keep working. Don't stop. <laughs> uh, I found myself kind of, you know, slowing down, and, you know, not working as hard as I was at first. Um, but just keep going um, and keep and keep working because coding is always changing. That's the thing I like about it. it it's always something new. <laughs> there is. Um, so just keep going at it. Okay. Momentum. I like it. I'd say for me, uh, one thing that helped me was getting away from tutorials and starting to build just projects from scratch on your own. It was really tough at first when you kind of don't know what you're doing. But even if you just a super basic website with just HTML and CSS or something, just starting to build things on your own and trying to figure out all the little problems on your own was a big, a big leap forward for me. And free code camp. I mentioned this before. That that really helped me from the beginning. Uh, I didn't know anything, but I started with free code camp and I loved it. So if anybody wants to know where to start or start, try free code camp. Okay. I like it. Um, all right. So just to summarize, Ben, basically like... And this, this is advice I always say is treat those uh, requirements as the perfect candidate. 
right? You're not going to hit all those requirements apply anyways. Now there are positions like senior positions when you're just graduating coding bootcamp, you're probably wasting your time in their time, but there are positions that we're like, you're not going to, I don't think I've met all the requirements for any position I've applied for So, and gotten. So, um, and then momentum really important, especially when you graduate too. You don't just lose momentum in the program. Sometimes you lose it afterwards. That's where so many people drop off. They're like, so exhausted. I've learned so much. I just want to be done. I'm going to take a week break. A week break isn't going to be much. And then they all of a sudden have a hard time getting back that momentum. Right. Um, and then, um, Andrew project work, don't get stuck in tutorial hell, work on your projects. It'll reinforce what you're learning. Um, I love it. All right. That's it. Uh, so let's go ahead and do our outros. If people want to reach out to you, where could they reach you? We'll start with you, Ben. Well, you can reach me on LinkedIn. Always down to grow my network a little more. Uh, it's just Ben Sands. Um, I have a YouTube channel that doesn't have much yet, uh, but I plan on uploading my silly projects that I do at home uh, eventually. Uh, so you can find that as uh, Ben is Pi. That's P-A-I. Um, one word. So okay. I'll be there. Cool. Thank you. How about you, Andrew? LinkedIn is fine. Uh, or email. My, my email is on my LinkedIn. So just Andrew Townsley on LinkedIn is fine. Okay. How about you, Janisha? And I'm the same. You can reach me on LinkedIn under Janisha Marcus. So. Yep. All right. Cool. Well, um, yeah, hopefully you, you liked it. Um, if you're considering this program, I'd be curious, feel free to leave it in the comments below if you're on YouTube, but um, let me know why. Let me know if you still have questions, like what questions you feel like could be, see, this is what I love, like hard questions you feel like would be good for advisors or salespeople of the coding bootcamp. What should, like, what should students know before they sign up for this program? Um, but yeah, if you have any questions or opinions about what we talked about, uh, let me know in the comments below. But Ben, Andrew, Janisha, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, Don. It's a pleasure.